0: It's been an integral part of our business. It's been, mm-hmm. you know, up to today, and and it's going to be in the future. Like sustainability is, it's good for business, right? It's good for mm-hmm. employees. It's good for it's good for our customers, and it's good for the the communities that we operate in. And it's and it's it's also the right thing to do.
1: This is Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. We feature discussions about the future of the business of electricity on this podcast and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. Once again, this podcast was not recorded face-to-face but using Zoom. A little bit of background first before I get to my guests today. Well, today over 1 billion people around the world celebrate Earth Day. First celebrated in 1970 following a UNESCO conference in San Francisco, a peace activist, John McConnell, proposed a day to honor the Earth. Over the years, Earth Day evolved from a conversation about environmentalism to a movement on climate change prevention. The electricity sector is proud to be considered a solution to climate change as electricity generated in Canada is over 83% non-emitting and our greenhouse gas emissions have been reduced by more than 45% since 2005. A healthy environment and a healthy economy, a report developed by the Government of Canada, estimated that our country will need to produce two to three times as much clean power as it does right now. Now more than ever, our sector needs to ensure sustainability is considered in all business decisions. Whether it be partnerships with local communities, relationships with Indigenous partners, or developing innovative solutions to climate change, sustainable electricity is integral to our country's future. And so, today on Earth Day, we celebrate our ninth recipient of the Sustainable Electricity brand designation. That company is Maritime Electric a Fortis company based in Prince Edward Island that has made sustainability a priority. I invited Jason Roberts, the newly appointed CEO of Maritime Electric, to discuss some of the Maritime Electric sustainability programming and why sustainability is important in PEI. Jason and I also talk about the challenges of running an island system, what COVID-19 looks like in the Atlantic bubble, diversity in the trades, and electric vehicles. And like many previous podcasts, we close the conversation with a book recommendation, and in this case, with a bit of an East Coast spin. Here's my conversation with Jason Roberts. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Francis. Good morning. I'm, I'm glad you were able to join us. I, I thought for the listener, uh, maybe a, a, a good starting point would be uh, let's talk a little bit about Maritime Electric. I, I'm, I'm very familiar with Maritime Electric, um, but uh, you know, for folks uh, outside of Atlantic Canada, they may may not be as familiar. Can you can you tell the listener a little bit about the company and, and kind of where it came from? Sure. So we're on
2: we're on the flux capacitor. So let's jump. Let's fire it up, and uh, we'll uh-huh. go back to 1918. That's when, uh, that's when Maritime Electric began operating here on Prince Edward Island. So it makes us uh, just about 103 years old, not right. quite as old as the CEA, but uh, respectable nonetheless. Um, we are a very proud member of the Fortis Group. Uh, and in fact, we were Fortis's first uh, electric utility acquisition outside of Newfoundland right. back in, in
0: 1994.
2: Mm-hmm. We are a, uh, we're a vertically integrated electric utility we provide uh, backup generation capability uh, as well as transmission and distribution service to about uh, 90% of the island's electricity consumers and that translates into around 85,000 customers right and uh, we provide that service through a team of uh, 200 very loyal dedicated and talented employees and really what that boils down to is you know 200 dedicated employees providing service to 85,000 customers that's really kind of who and why we are Maritime Electric, that's what we're all about. Um, we have uh, system-wise, you know, we're not an overly large utility, Francis. Uh, mm-hmm. Our peak low is approaching 285 megawatts. Mm-hmm. Uh, our customer mix, we have about 50% of our customers are residential domestic type customers. Right. Uh, small businesses is a big part of Prince Edward Island. They constitute about 30% of our customer base. And then we have uh, what we would classify as industrial low, which is the remaining 20%. Across the island, we have about uh, just over 6,000 kilometers of uh, transmission distribution lines Mm -hmm. fed from 28 substations around the island. Um, To serve our customers, we have three uh, field operations service centers in different locations. Uh, And our head office is located here in beautiful downtown Charlottetown.
1: So one of the things that that uh, I think probably would be interesting to the listener as well would would be where does where do the kilowatts come from? I, on my last visit to to Prince Edward Island, I don't recall seeing large dams or nuclear plants. Um, where's where's the uh, where's the power come from that's consumed in, in PEI? Yeah, so you know,
2: um, we as, as I mentioned, we have we have some ge- generation capability here on PEI, but. Uh, you know the greatest the greatest natural resource here on Prince Edward Island uh, for generation purposes is is wind, yep. And uh, and we buy uh, all the energy produced by the provincial uh, windmills here on PEI, mm-hmm. and that constitutes about about 25 percent of our annual supply requirements. Okay. So so it's that's you know that's green, that's renewable energy, uh, and it's sourced right here on PEI. And you know our expectation is we're going to see more of that uh, come along in, in, in the future. Mm-hmm. and we're looking forward to that. Now the remaining 75% of our energy supply, uh, we we import that from the mainland through four submarine cables that interconnect us with New Brunswick.
1: Okay.
2: Uh Two of those cables, they're rated for 100 megawatts each, and they were installed back in 1977. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're 44 years old, they're getting up there. Uh, but then in 2017, uh, we installed two new cables, and they're rated for 180 megawatts each. So we've got four Four lines to the mainland uh, that allow us to import energy. So, in terms of that energy that we import, it really comes from two two different streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is from the Point Pro nuclear generating station. Right. So we have we have a participation agreement there with uh, with the Project Power, and that provides us with access to to output energy from that from that unit. Uh-huh. And, and that that source of supply for us that meets about fifty percent of our an, annual energy supply requirements. Right. And although it's not renewable, you know, it is a non-emitting source yep. of supply for yep. us. So so very very good from that perspective. So that leaves the remaining sixty percent, and we get that through uh, a separate energy purchase contract that we have with budget Power, and we buy energy basically off of their system, and it comes from a mix of renewables. Uh, non-emitting, and of mm-hmm. course, there there are some uh, emitting sources of generation in their supply mix. Yep. But the way the contract is set up, it provides for us to re- receive a supply mix that's similar to the same uh, mix that their in-province customers would receive. Okay. So when we look at where that comes from, we would estimate, you know, that another uh, about forty-eight percent of our supply under that contract is either renewable or. Uh, non-emitting or non-emitting right or non-emitting right. so yeah. when you pet when you, when you kind of add all those pieces up together uh we would you know we estimate that close to 85 percent of our supply that we we provide to our customers on Prince Edward Island uh comes from either renewable and or non-emitting resources and I think you know that's that's a pretty darn good mix at
1: this point No, well, that's higher than the national average of 82 yeah. percent non-emitting yeah. yeah yeah so we feel really good about that yeah, and then you'd noted that that uh, you're vertically integrated, so you have the the generation uh, capability. But I guess that's in a in an event of of, of a, um, um, a major outage or a problem with respect to supply.
0: Yeah, so we we do have uh, we do have generation capability on the island. Uh, we generally don't. Don't generate ourselves. Um, we have uh, a 40 megawatt uh, thermal station uh, that's going to be uh, retired and decommissioned at the end of this year, so it doesn't it doesn't operate anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We also have uh, three combustion turbines um, uh, together provide about uh, 90 megawatts of capacity. Again, these are fired on uh, light diesel oil. So they're somewhat expensive to operate. So uh, what we use them for really is is more contingency emergency backup uh, uh, service mm-hmm. in case there's um, uh, constraints on the interconnection uh, through to New Brunswick. And, and that doesn't happen very often, but it's important to have that on, on-island security of supply certainly available if we need it
1: yeah hey one of the things that uh, that um, I uh, ask people about when they come on to the podcast is about their their journey. Um, so I'd be interested in, in hearing a little bit about your journey. You've been at maritime electric for for 20 years. how did you get to to, to where you are today?
0: Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. So I, I joined. I joined Maritime Electric in July of two thousand. So I'm actually approaching my twenty first anniversary this year. It's hard okay. to believe time, time flies by.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm an accountant by by trade. Uh, mm-hmm. I got my my C A designation uh, in Newfoundland, my home province, back in 1997, mm-hmm. and I had spent a few years working in New Brunswick uh, and had had just moved to PEI in early 2000 for, uh, for personal reasons, uh, uh, chasing my future wife to be. And uh, now we now we have <laughs> we're married and have two 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 wonderful kids here on, on PEI, but at at, at the timing of that move uh, turned out to be great because uh, when I came to PEI, a position at Hope opened up here at Maritime Electric uh, in the finance team uh, for a a treasury supervisor. So I joined Maritime Electric and I started out in that role. I had responsibility for our financial forecasting model, the treasury Mm -hmm. function, of course, and uh, also had our our tax compliance work uh, under under my uh, responsibility. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: uh, the, the CFO that hired me at the time, you know, when I look back, he really he really took me under his wing, and he he, he taught me so so much about uh, the electric utility business and and really the industry here on PEI, mm-hmm. and it was such a great learning opportunity. I was in that role for about six years, and during that time, our our regulatory model changed. So in 2004, we moved from uh, a price cap model of okay. regulation yeah. to to the more traditional cost of service model. Okay. Yeah. So in 2006, a couple years after that, um, you know, I, I remember uh, my CFO coming to me and saying, you know, that the finance team is going to be split up into uh, financial reporting and mm-hmm. regulatory and that uh, I was going to be promoted to become one of the new managers in one of those two roles. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and he asked me, so, you know, where's where's your interests? And I Well, I said, you know, this is a regulated utility. All the action is going to be on the regulatory <laughs> side, right?
1: So, uh, yep.
0: so, so I jumped at the opportunity, and I became uh, I became the manager of regulatory and financial planning that year. Hmm. So, yeah. So, in addition to the the, uh, the treasury role that I had, the, those responsibilities, I took on regulation, mm-hmm. uh, and I also uh, got some exposure to the operations side of the business. And I managed uh, I managed the team responsible for our facilities, mm-hmm. as well as our stores, inventory, warehousing function. So that was some some good some good initial experience to the operations piece of the business, and uh, you know that that would be my role for uh, the next eleven years. And in in that time, um, the CFO that hired me uh, retired, and uh, I got a new CFO in two thousand twelve. And and again, you know, uh, I don't know where the horseshoes are, but uh, I was very fortunate to uh, Mm. to have a a really good working relationship uh, with with my new CFO Steve and Steve. you know, Steve taught me about you know the the relationship and and the people side of the business, and uh-huh. I and I think that was really key in kind of rounding out my leadership experience, and and I think what ultimately led to my my appointment as CFO uh, in in 2017. Okay, right? Yeah, so in 2017, um, I became CFO um joined the executive team It was a team of four of us mm-hmm. three three vice presidents and uh and our ceo mm-hmm. which was made up of one accountant me and uh three three engineers uh but uh you know it, again you know here was an opportunity for me uh to to learn from three very very talented three very experienced engineers And mm-hmm. i got to learn more about the technical aspects of the business and and every chance i got to 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 pick their brains and you know ask ask those those why questions or how come it's uh, they were there and you know again I learned a lot from them right and, and during that time so when I moved into the executive role I, I started to I started to invest a lot of time in in sort of uh, further developing my leadership skills and I did that through through leadership coaching. Okay. And, yeah, and, and Fortis is very committed to supporting the development of their leadership team. Right. And this is, this is one of the tools that they use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, I, I use that to, to really kind of help, help build out my leadership. Uh, my so leadership is that coaching
1: skills. from within the, the Fortis uh, group of companies from the, the Fortis uh, family uh, kind of?
0: No, it's kind of, it's using, it's using outside third okay. party. Co- yeah. Yeah. So some yeah. of it is, is one-on-one, some of it's sort of in a group, uh, groups setting and yeah, it's, it's really helps you explore kind of who you are and, Mm-hmm. why why you are who you are and mm. it, it was great yeah and then then last year uh, our ceo uh, at the time john goody john mm-hmm. uh john announced that he was going to retire after uh 39 you know dedicated yes. years of yeah. service amazing yeah. 39 years yeah. um, so and then through through the, that process uh, uh our board um, uh, selected me as as his, his successor and um i i took over the helm uh, august 1st and you know here we are 9 months into the new role and uh uh having a lot of fun
1: a lot of interesting times and uh it's it's so far so good so so maybe tell me a little bit about that fun what's what what's that what's the fun side of things you know, I'm wondering the listeners probably think, "Why? My, my goodness, <laughs> running a utility company—how can that be
0: fun?" You know, what what it is for me? What's what's changed for me? You know, moving from uh, being the accountant and you know head in the books and mm-hmm. you know working through spreadsheets and you know thinking thinking numbers all the time. Yeah. This this new role is more outward facing, okay. so there's a lot of opportunity for me to to get out there and you know spend some time with staff. Little more difficult during COVID, obviously, but um, I have much more interaction and, you know, mm-hmm. building building some nice relationships with our with our staff and with our teams and and really getting out there and, and making new connections in the community and and it's it's really been great. It's been it's been fun.
1: Mm. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned COVID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't have any uh, conversation today without talking about COVID. No, Here we are no. more than in a year in. How did um, you? Well, first off, you, you took over the home of the company in the middle of the pandemic. Be interested to hear what that looked like. But but how did the company pivot? I'm I'm all I'm interested in. You know, every time I talk to uh, to 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 somebody in the in the sector, to get a sense of how that pivot happened. And then how operations have been going since then, because, you know, the, yeah. the interesting thing is, um, the, as a critical infrastructure, the, the yeah. COVID had, has not now so far has not impacted the, the continued supply of electricity to customers. Thank goodness. No. But what did that no. pivot look like for you?
0: Yeah. So, you know, um, a pandemic at play, uh, moving into, moving into a new role. And I, I will say, you know, the the transition into the new role has been, has been very good because of the support of the team Mm -hmm. here, here at Maritime Electric and and the support of the team at Fortis, you know, they, they, they're very committed to helping people succeed and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they've been great from that front. But, you know, for us as an organization, um, when, when, when COVID struck, you know, you know, we're we're an essential service provider, right? We're yeah, you know yeah. we're we're, su- we're supplying electricity that everything runs on electricity. Uh, but for us, you know, first and foremost, our you know our employees' physical and, and mental well-being was uh, and continues to be uh, a top priority, mm-hmm. and uh, you know every across the organization you know, every department, um, they, they introduced new, uh, new measures, new practices, just to make sure everybody was safe. You know, we did things like, uh, restricting visitors and access to our buildings. Right. Uh, we did additional cleaning and disinfecting. You know, we got PPE, we got masks and whatnot to, to, to protect people, you know, business travel. Stopped essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we you know we did all those measures similar similar to what everybody else did, um, and then you know when it first started in March, um, mm-hmm. like everybody else, you know we we very quickly had to had to pivot, and we had um, most employees working from home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. We're very lucky, you know, we we had uh, a very adaptable team who who all made that transition very quickly and I think very smoothly. And I think one of the reasons that that it happened so smoothly is you know we had you know we're a small organization so we're fairly nimble uh, but, but we also had the technology and we had the it team behind us to to enable us to transition to that work from home scenario very quickly and just as an example you know we have um we have an island-based virtual contact center right and that that virtual contact center allowed a, allowed our customer service team to b- basically transition to work from home immediately flick the switch right. and uh you know with, with no impact on our customers our customers ha- you know didn't really necessarily know whether they were speaking to them here in the office or, mm-hmm. or they were speaking to them from home it was, right. it was seamless yeah. but as you know you know as an electric utility not everybody can work from home yeah. and that that's the reality of our industry. there's yeah. there's field field staff and you have to be out and working on the system. So you know for that those groups, again, we put some we put a number of measures in place just to make sure uh, that they that they remain safe. So our energy control center, the people that kind of run the system, you know, schedule the purchases and the imports from off island mm-hmm. um, operate the system for us. We, you know, we kind of locked down that building, we restricted access uh, okay. into that building, yeah. we, we set up um, multiple uh, control centers off site. To be in place ready to go if needed if we had if we if we had you know COVID come into the workplace fortunately we didn't but just in case Um, you know for our technicians and our power line technicians electricians and whatnot you know, it was about it was about following, you know, CPHO, the uh you know mm-hmm. provincial health office and the social yep. distancing rules. Um we we had to go out and secure uh, additional uh fleet vehicles so that people could uh, travel separately and and not be uh not be in close contact.
1: Oh, you actually had to had to had to acquire more more vehicles. Yeah, wow, yeah. Okay. well we
0: yeah, yeah we, we leased them on a short term basis. Right. Uh, I had yeah, thought so our,
1: that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So our crews, our power line technician crews as an example, you know, typically it's a it's a two person crew yeah. and they would go to the job site but you know you get in the cab of the truck you're mm-hmm. you're only a couple feet away so They're close quarters yeah yeah so we so we got separate vehicles and and mm-hmm. uh, we were able to continue on that way the other thing that we did was you know safety obviously is a priority we we transitioned our safety meetings to either call in or virtual meetings and we were mm-hmm. still able to cover off you know uh, s- safety issues and and um, and incidents and and whatnot and and make sure the communication lines continued. To be open, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that was great. You know, um, you know, in terms of in terms of uh, the leadership uh, teams, you know, we we continued to uh, encourage people to follow, you know, all the health recommendations around wearing masks and proper hygiene. And now we're you know we're talking to people regularly about vaccinations and Mm -hmm. and, you know how important that is. Uh, So we, we we've got all those all those measures in place, you know, to protect. Uh, everyone's our employees our customers physical health and safety but the other thing that we realized very quickly Francis was you know how how this pandemic and the uncertainty the, the toll that it was taking um, on on people's mental health
1: yeah yeah
0: right you know that was that was a that was that became a safety issue for us right for sure one, Yeah. one thing that we did last year and this was in April when things sort of really kind of you know high high anxiety levels we we kind of said okay let's let's stop for let's stop for a minute here and we what we did was we scheduled everyone to have a four-hour mental health break okay so right across the organization you know scheduling scheduling considerations in in Mm -hmm. play but right across Mm -hmm. the organization everybody was able to take a four-hour mental health break go home be with their family spend some time and just sort of Get things in order and, and mm-hmm. you know and 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 kind of regroup. Right. The other thing we did was, and this, and I'm not sure if this is unique to our organization or not, but we we pulled together a committee of employees from right across the company. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they each got a list of of their colleagues who were working from home mm-hmm. and they got on the phone and they called them to check in. Okay, and say, say hello and see how they were doing and yep. just to make sure everybody stayed connected. Right. right? Right. And, you know, then we start thinking about not only our employees, but, but their families. So Mm -hmm. we said, okay, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. How do we stay in contact and make sure, you know, that when people go home at the end of the day, that the conversations that they're having, you know, can be informed and healthy conversations. So what we did was we put together a number of mail-out packages and we sent them to employees' homes. We put in there, you know, some you know, trusted, reliable COVID-19 information. Um, and we also provided them with some information around our uh, employee and family assistance program so that they knew that, you know, not only was was Maritime Electric there for them, but there was resources that they could use if they didn't feel comfortable coming to us and our HR group. Right. So there were services available for them. Yeah. You know, and we we heard, you know, we heard from, from a lot of employees that, even though they were they were working from home, and you know I did I, I worked from home for a period of time, and and it was a struggle, but mm. I really appreciated getting that phone call, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know I know you know the the information that got sent home in the mail was was uh, was, was supper table topics right things to talk about and it was a chance for us to kind of explore because you don't realize you know when, when when you talk to your family kind of what's going on in their heads and you know what are they thinking about yeah, you know, yeah, is, sure. you know yeah. is, is my partner safe when they go to work and what are they bringing home and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff so it was it was a real good for good topics of, of discussion and then you know one of the la- i'll just mention one last thing that we did mm-hmm. and this we did this last fall you know with, with all the all the changes that were going on and, you know, the constant news about cases ramping up mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, new vaccines coming out and so on. We looked at it and said, man, there's, there's a, there's just, there's just so many distractions out there.
2: Right. So what
0: can, you know, what can we do to you know help our, our teams stay focused so that when they, you know, when they get to the job site, they're really focused on the on the job at hand so that they can stay safe. So what we did was we did uh what we call mindfulness training, and we did that right across the company and what we did was we we talked about some different techniques uh, a lot of it's around around breathing and uh and what, what it's meant to do is it's meant to sort of bring your focus in and help you kind of bring that center of gravity and stay and get you focused on the job at hand
1: okay and yep.
0: uh, yeah and that was really well received really well received and i think and we're still we're continuing to promote that and i think that's going to continue on even post covid because oh, okay yep. yeah i mean you know uh, when, you, when we look back on, you know, near misses and incidents mm-hmm. that occur, a lot mm-hmm. of times what you hear from employees and you say, you know, OK, tell me what happened. And a lot of times they say, you know, I was doing this and I was getting ready for the job and I, you know, I, I, I just don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, so it's about bringing that thought process back. And th- the idea is, you know, when you when you look at the thoughts that go through you know, those through your mind instantaneously, and you don't even notice them half the time. Mm -hmm. Studies show that 40% 40% of your thoughts at any given time you're thinking about the past. Yeah. 50% of your thoughts are about the future. You're right. And, and really only 10% of your thoughts at any given point in time are on the moment. Right. So yeah. so how do you learn those techniques to kind of increase that that 10% so that when you go to, you know, to close in a switch or you go to go into a substation, that you really are as focused as you can be and, and dialed in for the job. So we're gonna. We'll be spending some more time working on that as we move forward, even post COVID. I think.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: But you know, Francis. You know, we're we're here on PEI, right? We're we're a small province. Our okay. our provincial government, uh, our provincial health office, have just they've just done a wonderful, fantastic job, of. Um, of protecting us, keeping us mm-hmm. safe, keeping us informed. You know, we haven't, we haven't t- to this point. Uh, knock on wood, we haven't had any hospitalizations. We haven't had any deaths because of COVID here on Prince Edward Island. So wow. we feel really, really fortunate to be living here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and yeah, I, I, mean, I wonder maybe just briefly what what it's been like. You're the first person on the podcast uh, that uh, has been living in uh, what was the Atlantic Bubble last last year, last summer. Yeah. Um, so you had, a, unlike, uh, you know, people elsewhere in the country, you had something uh, close to a, a normal summer. Yeah, we, we, we did, you know. Um, you know, PEI is a
0: tourist destination. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we get a lot of tourists from Atlantic Canada. Uh, we also get a lot of tourists from uh from you know quebec ontario and the rest of canada and also from the us so so yes we did with the atlantic bubble we did have uh some semblance of a normal summer Mm -hmm. Um, we did miss a lot of our uh, upper canadian friends certainly (laughs) uh and we look forward to having you back soon but you're right you know when i when i walked down the street today um even though we don't have the bubble in place right now mm-hmm. you know we can we can go to restaurants uh we can go to church services right. we can go visit our friends you know think things are pretty good here we did have uh you know a, a a a few instances where there there were um you know potential outbreaks and uh and um the province responded very quickly with circuit breaker break it measure circuit yep. breaker measures yeah and um and everybody, I think, was really on board because everybody here, I think, is very committed to keeping this thing away. Yeah. Uh, so, so we come out of it very quickly and very and very and very uh, and very safely. So, yeah, it's it's been very good. Um, there's a lot of talk right now of an of an Atlantic bubble starting up again in about mm-hmm. ten ten days,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and I know f- you know for me and my family's perspective, uh, we're very anxious to see that happen so we can go visit my uh, my my wife's family down in Nova Scotia and hopefully right. at some point visit my family back in Newfoundland. So, yeah. yeah, we we are we are anxiously awaiting that and look forward
1: to seeing it, ha- seeing it happen. Hey, one of the things that I wanted to make sure we we talked about um yeah. Jason is is this week um uh, Maritime yes. Electric becomes a sustainable electricity company. You get the sustainable electricity brand designation. Yeah. Uh, can you can you maybe um, uh, tell us a little bit about why this was uh important uh for you and for the company to achieve? Yeah, I mean this this is
0: just this is just fantastic news Francis. Like we're we're just so excited. Yeah. Sustainability yeah. is really it's it's been an integral part of our business it's been mm-hmm. you know up up to today and and it's going to be in the future like sustainability is it's good for business right it's mm-hmm. good for employees it's good for it's good for our customers and it's good for the the communities that we operate in and it's and it's it's also the right thing to do you know i i remember when we were doing the verification process you know uh, I was asked to put together some thoughts on, on, you know, why I think sustainability is important. And I kind of stopped and was like, well, why isn't it important? It's yeah, it really yeah. is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the team that we pulled together here, like they're just, they're just so, they're just so passionate about about sustainability and sort of capturing everything that we do. And it's just, it's brought a whole new level of, of focus to us mm. in terms of how we operate. And, you know, we also know, that sustainability is very important to our customers and and to all of our stakeholders. And I tell you why is when we went, when we went through the verification process to get the certification, we consulted with a lot of stakeholders, mm-hmm. and and we did that virtually because of COVID. Uh, but we did we did reach out to a, a broad a broad group, and and we asked them. You know, we said, well, what, what's important to, to to you from from a sustainability perspective? And you know, we got some great insight from them. Right. Re- really, like. A, a, hundred percent of them. They all came back and said, uh, "We believe that it is it is important for you, Maritime Electric, mm-hmm. to be operating in a responsible, sustainable manner."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, you know, and that's you know, that's that's pretty clear marching orders. And and it's not to say that we 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 weren't doing it because we we do a lot of great things uh, with respect to sustainability. But it, again, it it provides that 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 confirmation and that 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 support from. From people outside the organization to say, "Hey, yeah, you're you're doing the right thing," right. And you know what? We are the first Fortis company yes. to receive the de- receive the designation, yep. and we're we're very proud of that uh, because it demonstrates our commitment. And this is our commitment to you know being responsible from from an environmental perspective, uh, from a social and economic perspective, and it shows our commitment to the prevent to the principles of of, of sustainable development. And uh, we're we're very we're very proud to tell our, our sister companies uh, quite frequently that we're getting this <laughs> award. So we couldn't we couldn't wait to tell them. We're, we're just so proud of it, Francis. And we we can't wait. Um, you know, it's brought together as I say, um, sort of a a good look at. Of, of what we're doing from a sustainability perspective and it's really going to drive a sustainable culture for us throughout the entire operation uh and I think it's going to help us in our relationship with outside stakeholders moving forward.
1: We're just yeah, so excited. Outstanding outstanding news and you know yeah. d- delighted we are we're able to mark that uh yeah. mark that this week. Maybe tell us a little bit about some of the some of the sustainability initiatives that that uh, you've embarked on at Maritime Electric.
0: Yeah, so you know it, it's it's been a mindset of ours in a lot of lot of areas mm. of our of our company for a lot of years and it's, it's it it is a a, a, f- a fair fair bit of our culture today so just as an example you know we've uh, we've always played an important role in uh protecting Uh, nesting osprey we've done that for many years Um, you know as you know like one of the favorite places for osprey to nest is on our utility (laughs) poles right and you know this this nesting can you know cause shorts and fires and blackouts and and you know unfortunately it it often harms the birds so we've been working with provincial conservation officers for a number of years Uh, we designed and installed kind of alternate nesting platforms near our lines but far enough away to Try and encourage right. them to not to not go near our lines. so that's been fairly su- successful um, and then last year um, we did uh we did an assessment of our uh, carbon footprint our water consumption and our waste production and we're going to use that analysis and that's going to be adopted sort of as a baseline to support some future sustainability plans so that we can reduce our overall environmental footprint so we feel pretty good about that um, and then, you know, when, when we look when we look to the community, um, you know, and investing in the communities that we live and we work in, um, we've kind of taken almost like a grassroots approach for a lot of years. And we, you know, we we, we provide um, meaningful levels of support to many, many, many nonprofit. Uh, community organizations right across the island so sports cultural music arts those type and you know uh, uh, nature mm-hmm. those types of uh, those types of organizations and it's been really well really well received over the years one of the organizations that we've supported is the island nature trust okay, and in particular their uh, piping plover conservation program so the piping plover will nest on on the sandy beaches. So they're very, you know, high high risk mm-hmm. of uh, not having, uh, you know, successful mating seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we we really provided some support to the Island Nature Trust to help them in that conservation program and it, and it's been helpful to to that bird population. So we're we're happy about that. One thing that we did a couple of years ago and it's continued on and we will continue with it is our Trees for Life initiative. So what we do there is our employees will undertake um, tree planting and we'll go out to community centers or schools and um, we'll talk to people about you know the type of trees that we have and we'll talk about planting them safely away from our lines and um, and we'll do the planting for them and it's been really it's been really well received in the community so Mm -hmm. far and we've we've planted hundreds of hundreds of trees Mm -hmm. so really well and then you know well, there's a whole list of them, but there's a couple other ones I want to mention before sure. before Go we ahead. Yeah. move on. But um, you know, from a from a human resource perspective, yeah. um, we we recently formed, uh, and and this is something the CEA has been talking about. We we we've formed a Women in Trades working group as part of our diversity and inclusion plan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is we're we're trying to foster a work environment, you know, that that encourages and and and, and keeps people keeps women. Um, in the trade positions. Mm-hmm. So to, to layer on top of that, just uh, last week, and you'll, you'll see it on our social media, we uh, we launched a, a program called powering opportunities for women campaign. Okay. and what we're doing there specifically is we're encouraging females to consider uh working as power line technicians mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know're we're, we're going to be uh we're committed and we're going to be very uh intentional in in encouraging uh diversity with respect to our power line technician groups right right now um we, we don't have any female uh power line technicians okay. yeah. but um i think with this program uh, we've already gotten some initial interest in people wanting to come to our information session so we're really we're really excited about that so uh, we're looking forward to hopefully improving in, in those areas one last thing because this is this is going to be something that's uh, c- coming later this year and okay. it's really kind of driven by uh this process of of receiving the uh sustainable electricity uh designation electricity, mm-hmm. electricity company designation and we're pu- we're going to be pulling together and reporting uh, we're going to be publishing a sustained sustainable sustainability report okay and we're really excited about that so that's going to that's going to talk about you know what we're doing to reduce our carbon footprint and mm-hmm. and it's really going to Kind of solidify publicly for for everybody who wants to see it, our commitment to you know having a, I'll say a greener and cleaner and more sustainable uh, energy future right here on Prince Edward Island. So we're going to bring it all together in one one report, and that's something that we're going to do uh, moving forward so that people stay informed and and uh, we're communicating lots of great information about what we're doing.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the report. Yeah, yeah. it'll be great yeah from, from a from a, an overall broader news standpoint uh news about sustainability and, and Prince Edward Island there's there's been um a number of uh actions or 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 announcements recently with respect to electric vehicles In yeah. PEI federal government investing in EV charging and then and then more more recently um the uh the steps that that the provincial government is taking in terms of of rebates What's that Absolutely. going to do to your your business? Uh, they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be using more electricity. Is is Maritime Electric ready for uh, for a surge in, in electric vehicles on PEI?
2: Yeah, you know it's 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 really early kind of early days in terms of electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, at this point, there's about two hundred uh, electric or plug-in hybrid electric vehicles on Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know these, as you say, there's been a lot of announcements and uh, these. These are really these are really exciting times for us in terms of electrification mm-hmm. and, and adoption of electric vehicles, and uh, you know th- the project that we're involved in, um, we announced there uh, a few weeks ago with uh, with the federal government and the provincial mm-hmm. government. Yep. Um, this is to we're going to be installing uh, fifty uh,
0: level two uh, charging stations in nine different communities across Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. Which which is which is great. So, so when we when we started out on this project, um, what we realized very quickly is the municipalities were interested, interested, but on their own, uh, they didn't necessarily qualify for the federal funding. So what we did was we acted as the sponsor of the of the project.
1: Gotcha. And right. we
0: brought these communities together and we got over the threshold of the, the number of chargers to be installed. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, we were able to access the federal funding and the province followed very quickly uh, with, with provincial funding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so these are these are the level 2 chargers and they're they're called you probably know this they're, they're referred to as the destination chargers. Yep. yep. And we we did that specifically. We we were intentional in going with the level 2s. We didn't go to the level 3s a couple of reasons. One they're they're fairly expensive. Yeah. And because you know, there's the fast chargers. Yeah. But with these level 2 destination chargers, what we wanted to do was we wanted to encourage people to come to these communities, mm-hmm. stop plug in for a few hours mm-hmm. and go go visit. Go visit the shops, go visit the right. restaurants, go, yeah. go visit the local sites, spend some time, and hopefully provide some economic benefits to these communities. Mm-hmm. So it's really, you know, this is a good example of how, you know, industry can partner with uh, all levels of government and bring, you know, economic and social benefits to local communities. It's mm-hmm. a great example. Hmm. So after we announced that program then you know as you mentioned the the provincial government uh, followed up in their in their recent budget with uh, with financial support for uh, the purchase of electric vehicles so they will provide um, uh, matching funding uh, Mm -hmm. up to five thousand dollars for um, uh, plug-in battery electric vehicles uh, new and used francis
1: Right, so, I saw that. That that's, yeah. that's unique. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they they've eliminated that barrier with respect to affordability. Because mm-hmm. you know people want mm-hmm. electric vehicles. Sometimes they're looking in the used market. Yeah. And, uh, and so with this rebate in play, that that again that provides that additional incentive. And then and then in addition to to those rebates, uh, if you're buying a uh, a plug-in fully fully electric. Uh, the province um, in a lot of instances will give you a charger to install in your home
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. to go with it. Right. Or, or if it's a plug-in hybrid, uh, they'll give you uh, a portion of the cost towards getting a charger. So they're really breaking down those barriers to, uh, to the affordability and to the, and, and for us, we're breaking down the barriers to the access so that the range anxiety is not there anymore. And, and, and hopefully we're setting up. So, so in terms of our system, um, yeah, there will be, um, uh, there will be in the coming years, there will be an impact. Uh, electrification has been, uh, something that we've been, um, uh, we've experienced over the last number of years,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in particular, and what's driven electrification here in the last number of years has been, uh, heat pumps. So we, we are predominantly a furnace oil based heating market space, right. heating market. Yeah. But in recent years, again, the province, um, in efforts to reduce our carbon footprint, they've been offering uh, rebates for the installation of heat pumps.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we're seeing, um, you know, homes, homes, existing homes, convert from furnace oil to. Electric heat pumps. Right. We're, we're seeing uh, new home construction. Close to you know eighty-five, almost ninety percent of new home construction now is uh, electrically,
1: uh, electrically heated. heated. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So yeah. so we've seen we've seen that happen uh, over the last number of years, and I think you know the electric vehicles. Uh, I think that's going to dovetail well in with uh, continued electrification over the next number of years, and and that's going to be important. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as you build out uh, a system um, that's going to be that's going to respond to those needs because, you know, the more electricity you consume, the more dependent you are on the service, yes. the more reliability is, is, is important. Yeah. And, uh, and and, you know that there's going to be a heightened sensitivity around reliability, so you know we're going to be we're going to be focused on on building out that system to meet our customers needs for sure, Mm -hmm. and I think electrification, uh, you know will provide. um, Some mitigating effects with respect to the cost associated with doing it, because it it does come with a cost. Mm-hmm. right? Reliability mm-hmm. comes with a cost. And, right. um, yeah. and uh, you know, I think as people consume more then you know, hopefully uh, the impact on rates, generally speaking, will be somewhat
1: mitigated. Hey, one of the things that I that I ask uh, people that come on the podcast, Jason, is, is about a book that they are either, you know, reading or, or a book that they've recently read that they would recommend to, to the listeners. So for you, what book would that be? Well,
0: I'll tell you, I, um, when I, when I sit down to read a book, Mm -hmm. I like to, I like to get out away from life. Mm -hmm. I like to disconnect from my, you know, my, my nine to five job and spend sort of get into my old, my my own world. And, you know, I'm living in Prince Edward Island, been here for 20 21 years. Uh, but I was born and raised in Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm actually, you know, um, I like to stay connected with with Newfoundland and I every time I go home to visit my parents I kind of raid their their bookshelf and uh, right. right now right now I'm reading a book and it's actually the second time I'm reading it it's uh, it's a history of Newfoundland and it's by Kevin Major okay and it's it's called As Near to Heaven by Sea as near to heaven by sea as near to heaven by sea Uh uh-huh yeah so it's it really it's not a it's not sort of the boring factual you know Mm -hmm. year by year uh history of newfoundland labrador it's really more of a flavorful newfoundlandish type uh recount of the history and offers some observations and opinions and speculation as to why you know why why and who landed here when they did and, uh-huh. and how, how things sort of unfolded and so it's it's i'm just kind of revisiting that 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 book these days and and spending some time thinking about home and uh and uh because i can't get home right now so yeah, yeah. it allows me to to get back to the
1: rock uh virtually i'll say so well, I've fantastic! I'll I'll, I'll add that to the flux capacitor reading yeah, list. That's terrific. Yeah, it's a great book, Jason. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. I really do appreciate you taking the time. It was great to talk to you, Francis. It's been my pleasure. And
0: again, um, we are so happy and so excited to be receiving the the sustainable electricity company designation, and uh, and and just so happy to speak with you today.
1: Oh, something worth celebrating! Thanks very much. Absolutely. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Flux Capacitor. If you're a member company and interested in learning more about the Sustainable Electricity brand designation, please reach out to our Vice President of Government Relations, Michael Powell, at powell@electricity.ca. Thanks for tuning in and happy Earth Day. And as always, let's continue that electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.